the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. B7Dev.com is the app development firm dedicated to helping entrepreneurs go from app idea to success because they understand startups and don't charge you huge fees just to get your app off the ground. Learn more at b7dev.com. From Apple features to ASO to influencer marketing, you will learn all the tools and tactics to make it in the app space. Learn more at appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app business, actually, your app downloads, and more importantly, your app revenues, and obviously, your entire app business. Today, I've got two phenomenal guests. We've got to work together, and I want to hear all about how it all started because they've got a very unique app that helps you put subtitles into your videos that you can then share on social media. We know it's huge. We know subtitles. People want it. Not everybody speaks English or understands English. People can pretty much read it all around. So I want to hear the journey of where it started and how they're using Clubhouse to actually maybe drive more downloads. All brand new right now. Not true but but want to learn about how they're utilizing Clubhouse. But without further ado, let me introduce guests. Their names are Hassan Ahmed and Maverick Ejini. Yeah, sorry, Mav. Ejia, they are the <laughs> co-founders of an app called Veemly, V-E-M-E dot L-Y. Go check it out or just search for Veemly in the app stores. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us, uh, Steve. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Hey, Hassan, so let's let's start from the very beginning. Like, What made you guys want to pursue building Veemly? So it all starts with my entrepreneurship passion. Um, I think on my last year, my last semester, I was considering uh, what I want to do with my future. And I was taking a course from Ty Lopez uh, on social media uh, marketing. And when I came across uh, this community, I realized that one of the biggest problems people have is creating video content that's pretty quick and easy from phone. Uh, and Ty Lopez at the time was making meme videos. So was uh, Gary Vee and they had this cool animation. And um, from what I know, is that it was really difficult for me, myself, uh, who was gonna start in social media agency to build video content on quickly and easily. Um, so I didn't wanna learn tools like iMovie, or Adobe Premiere Pro. I just wanted to simply add a video, add a text, uh, have some kind of button that adds the progress bar and then toss it out into the uh, social media platform. And I didn't see any app that was currently doing this uh, at the time. So we started off uh, with this concept of creating a video meme. Uh, and that's how the name came from Veeam. Uh, but I also recognized at the time that there was another app that had this coin term Veeam. So we just um, borrowed the, the .ly from Musical.ly, if everybody remembers before it became TikTok and it yeah. became Veeamly at that time. Um, eventually we realized that there was a bigger need, a bigger problem to solve, which was subtitles um, uh, that people wanted to people were manually transcribing the video, we realized that there, if there's an, any way that we could speed up that process, we would really um, build something that's very valuable as a tool for individuals that are a content creators or so, small uh, businesses that um, need uh, quick video content on, on their platforms, uh, social, social media platforms. 
So uh, that's how we pivoted. And ever since then, we just hammering out building this video tool into a bigger phenomenon. Um, and we'll continue to do so. And we have bigger plans as well for it. How did you know there was a bigger need? You said there was a bigger need for subtitles. How did you know? Um, so through my research, um, I was in a community, as I said, with, uh, in social media marketing agency. And we, I was re I recognized that some people were posting, like, how do we add subtitles? How do we add text? How do we add these things? And people would con continuously post iMovie or Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, and, and I recognized these people are, again, they're in the similar boat as me. They're beginners. They're, they're not someone that are like video editors, uh, video editor savvy. So um, from that community, uh, I kind of based, uh, I started exploring on Google whether or not like these, uh, these pain points are actually more wider uh, issue. And I recognized at the time that uh, rev.com was basically charging a dollar per minute. Yeah. And so I can see there was a market for this need. Um, and at the time there was no mobile app that was allowing you to do uh, generating subtitles from your video. So we quickly pivoted there and I, we definitely saw success because we saw our revenue jump ten, uh, threefold. So we were like, okay, we did something right. Mm. Uh, now we're also getting feedback that uh, we want longer videos and that's how we, we, we recognized that we were doing small things, right? When the community is giving you feedback saying that um, we need more features, we need more thing and they're saying, oh, we love this app because of the generating subtitle, we, we recognize we are doing something right. So we were not on the right path. I love that. I love that you're so like in tune with the community. When you said you're in tune with the community, were you working for a social media agency? Did I hear that correctly? Um, no. So I was trying to build my own social media. Okay. Um, but uh, as I realized once uh, I was deep into building this uh, app, that it's either a social media agency or I really build a product out because doing two things at once is extremely difficult. Right. And I had to personally learn how to build an app because I never built an app before. So there was learning, there was learning how to design, learning how to code, learning how to distribute, learning how to market the app. So these are alone, like you, if you're a one man shop, like this is, this alone is really hard and difficult um, to do. So um, I sidestepped my way from social media agency to more building the app for social media agency. When you were building the social media agency, were you, when you said community, were they just a community of influencers? Is that what you're trying to build? Like, hey, come to us. We have this community of influencers that will promote their product. And is that how you're? Um, so we did not. And this is the one of the most unfortunate parts of our, our app is that we did not start with the community while we grew the app, while we built the app. We just uh, took the assumption from the community that was I was part of that they had issues and we just built around the app uh, without communicating with the community itself. Um, and that's why that's that's my hindsight like in terms of why the company has not been able to explode and grow is because we didn't involve community early on. Mm -hmm. We are trying to amend that by actually now getting involved with the community and now getting that feedback. But if we did it early on, we would be a lot more successful. But we eventually learned from the customers that were in the app that uh, communicated with us that, hey, we would want XYZ feature because we love your app that the way it is. Yeah. So um, it, it was not like we didn't build it side by side, but we eventually got the community to come in and give us feedback. Was it like a Reddit community? What is this community? Is uh, so community, uh, I would say more the app users itself. Uh, okay. So they were not uh, like 
an external community. It was more the, we had a, a baby chat uh, in the app. It's called Instabug. That's what we have uh, for our uh, chatting between me and the, and the users that are currently using the app. So typically it's used for reporting the bugs, but at the same time, you can also um, chat with the, with, the, with the customer support team, which is probably me and Maverick. Uh, at the time, and uh, we would basically get um, uh, messages from them asking them for uh, asking for re requesting certain features for their productivity. And um, one of them was actually extending the length of the, the subtitle uh, generation. So that's how we actually ended up learning. Learn. Eventually, we grew a Facebook group. Uh, that was all probably our second uh, attempt at building a community, and that was initially a good success. But the, the issue with with building communities, you always have to have a community manager, right? Because um, you always have to communicate with these people on a consistent basis, and that is something that we also again fail to do because we too are busy with our own lives as well as building our uh, app. And I'm more of a product guy, so uh, we never actually ended up um, building a strong community around the app. Well, I think the the problem that a lot of developers have in the very beginning is just getting traction, especially yes. for an app like this, right? Like, hey, so what? How did you guys? go about launching the app to get that initial community so they can give you feedback on what features they want to, to, to help you eventually 3x those revenues, especially in the early days? I think it, it would benefit us was the fact that we were nailing it on the head when people were searching for that solution, is that we were one of those options that people happen, happened to try out, and then we succeeded at fulfilling their needs. And that's sort of how the community grew organically, like just without us shouting out there like this is what we're doing this is the problem we're solving so i think that's where we got lucky in terms of the community that grew in and of itself and so when it came to then communicating with that community they were very gracious to give us feedback and 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 give us that honest feedback of like okay this is what you can do to make my life easier yeah. and because you've already made it so easy this thus far now it's like um we have the opportunity to make it even better now, do you remember any like early marketing campaigns that either worked and then maybe that I'm fine with some that did not work too, but like, do you remember any of the ones where you really, cause I know you guys are very budget conscious and really trying to figure things out on your own. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any campaigns that really worked or ones that you thought would work and eventually failed? Um, honestly, it was, it came down to understanding the campaigns that were happening without us even knowing. So people were creating content about Veeamly, yeah. giving those how to's, writing a blog about it that we had no idea about. And that's the stuff that generated some uh, engagement and, and just some eyeballs on us. And yeah. it was those early advocates that we began to then start communicating with that they've just continued to um, just sort of shout us out essentially and uh, be those advocates because we just continue to build that relationship. And uh, that's in terms of it being successful, that's probably the one of the most, like we tried the like, video ads and, and different things. We try to create our own content and even more so try to like be the example of our product. Yeah. And it's just like, as Hassan said, it was something that's not easy to do. And we give credit to people like you and others who go about their, um, their personal branding and just like content creation, just like it is, it is a, um, it is a job and it is not something that's not easy. Right, to further add on, I think if I correctly remember um, the first month of launching, we decided to do, I think, product hunt at the time. Uh, definitely not a successful campaign that 
we would probably launch. If we relaunch again, I think we will probably do a lot better. At the time, I was just newbie, did not know much how product front even works. All I knew was just post screenshots, post some uh, text, and then make it happen. And we did get some initial response. And I think we had a, one of the really early advocates that was uh, pushing our app um, to her audience. Nice. Um, so we did get some traction from that, if I correctly remember. Uh, I believe she's still using our app to this state as well. So uh, definitely an early adopter for sure. Well, I know a lot of big hitters are using your app and you can't say it publicly, but I know privately having heard from <laughs> you guys. So really great job on the product side. What would you do differently, Hassan, on Product Hunt? Um, and from when I first launched the app? Yeah. You said yeah, I would so, definitely do something differently. Uh, the first thing is, if I look back, um, one thing that I all, I'm, I'm always a firm believer is just like just doing it uh, at the end of the day. Like we often plan too much. We, we waste our time trying to, um, you know, find X, Y, Z uh, scenarios and then address them. Uh, before we even launch or even before we even actually make this first attempt at building an MVP. Um, so I did what, what I did correctly was build a small MVP and then toss it out there in the community. Nice. Uh, the one, as I said, like the biggest thing that I would take back from and readjust if I were to launch a new product is actually speaking to early uh, people that are, would possibly use this app and involving them in the uh, product creation. Uh, side of uh, things. So like when, when we are developing uh, another MVP, um, they have some input and feedback before we even launch so they can then also amplify their, uh, the, their, to, uh, the product to their community. Yeah, there's a great episode that I did with Christy Lawrence. It's 736 and she did exactly that. She has an app called Plan and she talks about how she really worked with the her influencers before she even launched. It's a great story. Like she was working for a social media firm. No, an app development firm. She's like, hey, I know social media. Let me run social media for you guys for free. You guys build my app for free. And so, and then she was, she created a private Facebook group to really communicate with the influencers and started building an app that they wanted too because she wanted that essentially yeah. kind of like your story Asan, but like what you were kind of saying with like really talking to the influencers and having that community in the yeah. early days that's what she i, I think uh, visoko did a great job if i remember correctly like i was reading their story i think they involved their community a lot like in building the feature um they have some kind of facebook group or telegram or whatnot and then the community get like ask feature requests uh as well as get feature feedback so I think uh, they do really well. Uh, I read a story about them. So what was I would definitely want to, Visoko, it's V-S-C-O. It's like a photo editing app, similar to Instagram. So guys, what'd you say? No, Visoko. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, V-S-C-O. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I call it Visoko, but I don't know what it's called. Uh, how, how do you pronounce it? But uh, whatever it is called, like they did a really great job. Got it. I like it. Hey, Mav, you kind of mentioned that, you know, this is probably the benefit of working or creating an app for influencers because they're more likely to share it. Like, hey, I'm using this app. This is how I've been doing it. And, you know, obviously they're going to share it a little bit more. Have you gone out and tried to reach out for like bigger publications? And I just want the audience to know like the difference between having some like, you know, maybe a mid-sized influencer share your app versus like getting on Forbes, entrepreneur, and how maybe going after these smaller guys are actually more beneficial from a downloads perspective. Yeah, honestly, I mean, like with 
the path in which content creators just want to have different types of content, it was initially difficult finding that right influencer. And I guess influencer may pose like the sort of the standard, what you would define as an influencer, but in terms of our audiences, those who would provide that influence and provide that advocacy was uh, a lot of these solopreneurs who were talking to an audience that were educating and uh, providing that sort of audible value essentially along with that visual value of having a well-designed video. So it became interesting on like how we should be targeting those users because our main feature that we began to push out was subtitles. And that was a lot different from our initial original MVP, which was just creating comedic uh, video memes. So um, the audience changed quite quickly. And um, so it, from there, in terms of connecting with those specific people, it, it was all about the relationship for us, like for those relationships that were valuable to us, we had to like really work at it and, and make sure we made that connection. Got it. And did you try to seek, like, let me just do a little bit of searching here. Did you, were you trying to get on mainstream publications at all? It was an attempt, uh, but never anything that was um, sort of really sought after. Got it. Yeah. Right. So if I remember like where uh, our revenue started like really changing was when we hired some micro-influencers in LinkedIn. I remember we did a campaign with a couple micro influencers mm -hmm. um, that were spearheading like their LinkedIn communities uh, back in 20, I think this would be last year, I would say, uh, 20, what's the, this now is 2021, 2019. So back in 2019, September uh, and August, I think that's where we really uh, pushed in on influencers. And I think that's where we saw some kind of like a, a growth in our our app. And nice. today we are actually seeing the results from that actual attempt we made. Nice. Yeah, because it was more so like, it wasn't that we were seeing the results, like Hassan said, like the moment someone posted the video, it was like this long-term effect of people finding it through search um, or just finding about this specific person that was delivering some valuable content and, and learning how they're creating it was where we began to, uh, to grow. And it was just that accumulation of more and more content that we're beginning to understand is where our value is shared the most and what would be more deemed as like the, the likelihood of converting someone over. How did you guys go about reaching out and working with these influencers? They honestly, they were already part of the, the community and using the app already and being advocates. And it was just uh, more so connecting with them and providing that opportunity to like, okay, let's do something together. And uh, for those that were open, I mean, it was, yeah, it was fruitful for us in the long term. Got it. Would you get, so you guys didn't reach out to, it's just people who are already using the app. You didn't like do cold outreach to any other influencers? Yeah, we tried that and, and yeah, it didn't really work well because I think we were, at least on my end, I was too aggressive with trying to reach a bulk amount of influencers that I wasn't looking for the quality and like in, of the influencer and their audience essentially. Right. So right. I didn't do much of an audit back then um, where if we were to just look at our customer base and, and see who had some uh, any sort of influence or even just the initiative uh, to have an influence, I mean, it was just, uh, that's where we should have started. Yeah, I like it. Hey, Hassan, so I know some of the things that have been working 
well for you guys is making a switch with showing the the pricing page during the welcome flow. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. Right. So I think when since we brought you on, I think you mentioned a great idea of having the the pricing page early on onboarding. I know a lot of um, apps uh, in the in the space right now do that heavy push in the beginning and really ask the users to subscribe early on. I was not a fan of that initially. Uh, it's because it, like, I would like people in the community to actually figure out whether or not this app is useful for them rather than just going up in the upfront and saying, hey, just subscribe early on and then you'll see the benefits. So what um, I noticed now that and there is a, a slight benefit to actually switching over to to having a paywall right in the in the onboarding. And that is because you're actually showing that this app can actually really provide value uh, um, if you actually are subscribed for a trial or uh, or like even monthly so that you can get those, um, the feature, the full feature access. And then you can really evaluate the, the app uh, on its merit like with, with the whole set of features. Um, so, when we did that switch, uh, we have noticed it's like, um, like I would say probably 20% increase in the, the subscriber count. And also we have seen a reduction in churn rate as well. So we haven't seen a negative effect of that uh, switch. Um, I was more concerned that people might be actually writing negative reviews or whatnot, mm -hmm. and that has not been the case. So I was actually incorrect on my assumption over there. Uh, I think I brought that up to Steve as well early on, but I think now I've been proven wrong on that uh, on that aspect. Mm -hmm. So I think you can definitely uh, really um, put that paywall uh, upfront. And if people definitely do see value in the app, they will, they will less likely complain about it. No, thanks for sharing that. And I'm glad, you know, to hear the other side, especially from someone that isn't, you know, so heavily marketing Hassan, like you are, yeah. you're like, no, yeah. let's let people chill, yo, let's not get too yeah. aggressive, Mavin, Steve. Yeah. But your concerns were like, hey, and I think what most of the audience might be concerned about is one-star reviews. Um, people are going to hate it. People are going to yeah. not like it. But just that slight switch, I mean, 20%, that's nothing to be ashamed about. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely don't get the negative reviews like I was expecting. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to get a negative review every single day. It's not <laughs> the case. Um, if people don't like it, they can definitely X out. I think some apps are very aggressive and really, like, not providing the X out or cancellation uh, button where they really want you to subscribe before they can, you can even like go into the app. What we are doing is this with providing the opportunity to subscribe now, but if not, you can still X out and still use the app as it is. So I think that's uh, definitely um, the play that we went with. And I think it's worked out really well for us. You know, something I want to ask you guys is I talked to a lot of developers and sometimes, you know, some have, okay, growth, some aren't doing as well. What, and I've seen your guys' numbers, so that's why I wanted to bring you on. Like, what do you, what kind of advice would you give to the developer that might be struggling in the very beginning, not seeing the downloads, not seeing the revenues coming up? And I think you, what you guys have done really a great job of is staying with it, right? Like we, the first email that I got from you guys was 2019 and then we worked together in 2020 and so forth, but like you stuck with it, you know, you kept growing, you kept seeing incre incremental changes and increases and you just kept at it. What kind of advice would you give the developer that might be a little bit like, man, these numbers just aren't as where I want it to be yet. Right. Um, you want me to take it? Maverick? Yeah, I, I can grab that one really quickly. Like, and then you can add on. 
Um, I think what Hassan did really well, and I'm going to speak for him, is that he connected to the customers. He, he was asking them constantly like, and, reach, and answering them uh, whenever they had questions. So the, I think the customer support and the way that we've handled that um, really allowed us to understand who our audience is. And we then began to adapt our product around that. So like if, for example, um, and this, future, this future developer and entrepreneur is not seeing the numbers, there may be some catalysts to that. So I think where Hassan did a really great job was making sure that we were figuring out where those pain points were um, initially, like how we, how he had built the product, but continuing to make the product better. Right. So, I mean, to the struggling developer, I, mean, I would say this first of all is persevere. Uh, there's, it's a, it's, it's not like you're gonna wake up and tomorrow and you'll have like a, a 10 million users on on your app. Uh, it rarely happens. You know, I was expecting that, but it didn't happen. And, uh, I kept going at it. Uh, I realized that this is my only opportunity and I'll keep building on it. I keep listening to the feedback of what the customers are saying, looking at the market where it's at, and then just keep building features on um, slowly and incrementally and also taking a step back and evaluating those features that if people are using it or not. And again, ask the community, ask the people that are using it, like what do they like about it? What don't they like about it? And then just keep building on and just making sure that you're motivated enough. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder to motivate when you have um, less downloads and less um, dollars, but you gotta understand that in any sort of business, it takes almost a year before it actually becomes something of a value, right? Like if um, Google will take its time to uh, index your pages, uh, App Store is gonna take your time to index your, your app, so it's, it's going to take a while before people know about your business. And of course, you can say that, oh, um, there are some apps out there that really blow up within three months. But again, like, what are the, who are the people behind it? Who, who, who are advocating that? Like, how much money are they spending? There's a lot of uh, factors that go behind a success of your app. So if you're an independent, struggling developer, that's your first app or second app, uh, just be patient with it. Like, you know, you, you are eventually going to see success, but just be patient and just keep building on it and you will see some success for sure. And if not, then um, you, you kind of learn those mistakes, you learn those um, lessons and you uh, apply them to your next uh, app. So don't give up, that's one thing for sure. I will not give up, so have that same thing, same mentality. I know one of the, in my first year of business when I had no idea where money was going to come from, I went back to my old boss and I just had quit this job like three yeah. or four months earlier. And I was like, Hey, you guys need help with anything. <laughs> and just being like, cause I have no idea, right? You got to make money somehow. Yeah. And if you're not making money the way you thought it was going to happen, you kind of have to do almost anything and everything just to make it work. Were you doing anything like that? In, yeah. In the so, first um, when I graduated, I uh, graduated from university, I gave myself at least like four months cause I had the money to actually say I saved up to to build off um, and build the app enough to see if I can actually make it work without actually working for someone. But I quickly realized that it's not the case and it's my first app, so I don't expect it to become big, even though I was hoping and wishing and praying, but it doesn't happen, right? So uh, eventually in um, November, I decided, oh, this is September or something, I realized that I need to pay rent in October and I really don't have money anymore. So I started taking a freelance gig and I started working for uh, like working dev projects and I was making money out and 
like during the day I would be or I would be working freelance and during the night I would be working on my app and eventually uh, I transitioned to a full-time job uh, at another company and while I was doing that at night I would be working on my app so yeah. it definitely took us a lot more longer than necessary but realized that hey again somebody got, got to pay the bills and you know you have to have the money so you're going to yep. transition this app development to a side hustle and just continue to work on it so um, yeah, eventually I got to a point where I was making the same amount of money from the, the company as well as in the app. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to now stay in the company and pursue it full time. I love that, man. I love that. Sorry. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, I know you guys are doing some great things on Apple search ads. Anything you can share that's working well for you from that end? Uh, okay. So one thing we, we have realized is US is an expensive market <laughs> <laughs> to get into for Apple search ads. Uh, definitely it's a very competitive market, um, especially in our space, I think. And ever since we cut that out, we actually have seen a profitable uh, return in ad spend. Um, even though we only spend $200, we actually make back almost like a grand in revenue. Wow. So if you do um, some math there, you're definitely profiting about $840 per month on just the first month. So let's say you subscribe, if the user subscribe for the first month, you're making almost $800 um already so we definitely seen some success from it um if we were to do we, we did us we did other markets and we were negatives in the first month so we realized that hey cut the us out do other markets like uk we have seen uh, great results in canada we've seen great results in new zealand and australia we have seen great results in. and those are the four countries that we still have ads in. so i would recommend people that if they're starting early on is to avoid us and go into other markets and mm. see how if English speaking markets and see how well they do. And once they start seeing the ROI on those countries, then uh, probably shift towards US again and this time with a better strategy, hopefully. How do you set up those campaigns that just returning some ridiculous ROI? Uh, so initially, I would recommend having a, an expert set that up. Um, <laughs> so definitely for sure. Uh, that's what we did. We, we worked with uh, Apparator at the time. I think uh, last year we set it up in 20, 2019, December. We helped them out. We, we gave them what we, the competitor analysis and all the, um, the, the marketing um, information for them to set up the campaigns and let them uh, run the campaigns for at least three to six months. Uh, we quickly realized that there's not a lot of work they do, they do after they set up. It's not much anything else. It's just more yep. experimenting at that point. And once we saw that... Um, we don't need them. We can just let the ads just run as is and pro- profit off that. Uh, we just basically let it be as is. And we just have now profit. We are not paying them the agency fee. We're just making uh, revenue off the, um, off the ads. Nice. Is it more like generic keywords? Are you going after competitors? Is it discovery uh, campaign? Uh, it's, I'm not familiar enough i think they do about uh, a mixture of it i think the okay. other companies set it up so i'm not i didn't look into much other than just switching off the us because those were the very painful yeah it's a mix uh, okay thanks uh, man. So. <laughs> so i was like i don't care just print money it's good yeah. it's good yeah <laughs> yeah but as long as we are profitable on the ads because that's the biggest main uh, that's a main concern for me right like it's, if you're not profiting on the ads then uh, what's the point of having the ads well, it's not like this is one of the questions that I get a lot too. And this is within our at Masters 
community, people are like, hey, guys, like, how do you attribute Apple search ads? How have you gone about attributing an Apple search ads install to an actual like revenue number? Yes, um, uh, I typically use revenue cat. Um, and I'm a strong advocate of that platform if you're actually trying to uh, build a multi platform um, application, especially if it's mobile, um, mobile first. So Revenue Cat allows you allows a lot of integrations, um, especially with Apple Search Ads, and it makes it really clear from which campaign, which keyword um, is actually where the install coming from and the revenue coming from. Mm. And uh, when they do that, I can simply see from the table like which campaigns are doing it, which countries are doing it, and then I can attribute back. And I have my own spreadsheet that I built out where I can. Um, um, calculate the exact amount that we made from the campaigns that we have run per month. And that helps us uh, track the ROI. Um, and, and of course, they don't have a very complex analytics tool at the moment, but that's enough to do the job to actually know that the ads are working or not. So that's basically what we are looking for. Love it, man. Anything I missed that you guys want to make sure we cover before we hit the big finish? No, I'm, I think we're good. I think, no, I, yeah. Steve, appreciate the the time man yeah i love talking to you guys i love working with you guys guys it's been absolutely amazing but let's go to the big finish each of you besides veemly that everybody should go check out give us one other app we should definitely check out Ooh. i mean I think, until I, it opens until it really opens up uh, i'm gonna say clubhouse yeah i was gonna <laughs> say the same thing because i've been an advocate of that myself and i brought you on as well so yeah thanks uh, for that Hassan. yeah i have uh i brought on a couple people as well and I've definitely been an advocate on Clubhouse. I think Maverick has been more on it than I have been. So he can definitely go on about why Clubhouse is really the next big thing. Anecdotally, yeah, I think it's... go ahead, Mav. Like, I want to know that. And anecdotally, you know, Hassan did say, like, Clubhouse has led to more user growth and revenue growth for you guys. So, like, why do you think it's the next big thing? And then tell us how you guys are really utilizing that platform. Yeah, I think when I'm sort of expressing that it's the next big thing, I think it's personal and like personal to our business and our to, to our personal brand and, and growth and, and just terms of us turning around dollars. So I'm going to say <laughs> that in that sense. And so um, the opportunity to just create a community is just for the longest time has been just like out of reach for me mentally. And so with this new form of sort of connecting and, and building a network and engaging with a community, um, Clubhouse made that something somewhat similar where everyone's sort of like on the same wavelength of like, oh, let's connect, let's learn about each other, let's have some deep conversations, whether it be personal or business. And that's what I loved about going to like physical events because I love talking to people. That's the, that's the character that I am. And that's the, even the profession that I've begun to or have been. Um, uh, leading in with uh, my experience around experiential events. So it was just, it felt comfortable to me. And, and then, so I, <laughs> I pressured Hassan to, to jump in on it. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been, been a constant pressure as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been quite uh, interesting on connecting, not, not even more so on like the business side of things, but like connecting to culture. And so the, the mindset around people wanting to just understand what others are doing and why from a personal perspective uh, was very interesting to me. What are you doing on a business perspective? Are you creating rooms? Like tactically, what are you doing on there? 
Because I have no idea uh, what to do, do. So it's a selfish question <laughs> on my... <laughs> um, well, the first thing I did was like, I was noticing that a lot of these bigger rooms had a club associated with it. So the first thing I did was like, okay, how do I make a club? Because mm. we tried Facebook groups back in the day. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to try this whole club group thing again. And so I saw that uh, you had to apply to have a club approved essentially. So I did that literally, I think on the second day that I got on clubhouse okay. and I waited, um, I wanted to say I waited three weeks until I got approved. And the club that I have is called content is King. And that's just sort of like our mantra of like where we want to have conversations uh, with people and, and begin to host rooms around that sort of topic um, whether it be personal or business, but um, in terms of our that business tactic, I threw the Veemly logo as the uh, icon for the club, and, um, and and yeah, it was just mainly a sort of entry funnel for people to find out about Veemly. I was never going to sell Veemly aggressively within these rooms or within other rooms I'm at. It was just more so yeah. through the fact of having the ability to create a conversation around us, a common, a common goal, which is create content. And, and then when the conversation would benefit it, then I would um, of course plug Beamly, but it would just be more so around how we can all have a conversation of what, what are people doing? Like essentially meeting the customer where they're at is what my tactic was. Interesting. Okay. What, what is a club essentially like a, like a Facebook group type of thing where people can interact. Mm -hmm. Have you hosted a room and like yep. started doing stuff like that? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And so it's, uh, and, and then the members that you bring in are also, and like the admins that you bring in are also allowed to do their own rooms. So it's just like continual growth um, over time. And ultimately where I'm beginning to just understand on how we could convert this group and community and continue to grow because there isn't an, other than the speaking rooms, there isn't other ways to interact with that group. Okay. So I see that as the beginning of the funnel. So like I would imagine us creating then a, a landing page or another place for people to just congregate around um, this community so that they can get live updates, have, talk to each other. And uh, that's where I have my eyes set in terms of anything strategic. Anything? Yeah, I, I see it as like a brand awareness tactic at the end of the day, right? Like you're not making a sale at the end of the day, but at least people know what something exists. Um, mm -hmm. There's two ways to go by it. You can either do paid versus organic. I think this is more in an organic brand awareness play. Yeah, and if, if it's not brand awareness for your business, it's brand awareness for you personally. Uh, right. I see it as a great yeah. personal branding tool. Yeah, I like that. What are you doing in the rooms? <laughs> uh <laughs> chat well, depends I, on I mean like it, it, yeah it depends on um where like the, the i guess what the room goals are um but for more often than not uh i'll jump in into a room that i don't necessarily know anyone in okay. i'll jump in and ask a really deep question so i'll sit there for like 20 minutes 20 minutes listening to people and then i'll be the one to, like my goal is to jump in there and ask the hard question I sort see. of like bring in the attention towards me like yes tactfully and strategically but then also provide some value into this room and, and add some uh, conversation to, to a specific topic. Have you created a room yourself? Yes. Okay. What are you doing there? Yes. Um, so for the start of it, I mean, it's just asking people and, and uh, 
chatting with them on what their strategies are in terms of creating content or, or just like who they are. Like essentially there's the rooms of like introducing and networking, like and just mm. meeting other people and then just building that connection to then like see them in other rooms. And then um, we had one room recently where we asked them like, hey, what are you doing with video marketing? Um, why are you choosing video? Um, and then uh, kind of like just the, the quote around it was like, prove us wrong is why video is not the most powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that too. Awesome, man. I love it. Okay. Anything you want to, any, uh, I forgot to mention clubhouse. So I'm so glad you guys said clubhouse, <laughs> but it's like, this should have been in the middle of the, the episode. Anything else on clubhouse that you want to talk about math? Steve, let's, uh, let's set up a room and let's, let's have some conversations. Let's, I'm, let's, yeah. I'm down, man. I'm let's down build the community. Definitely. Yeah. You definitely need, I think you can definitely benefit from it because a lot of people would want to learn more about like how to grow mm-hmm. app. And I think you could host a good room about totally. how app, app uh, growth organic growth especially because you're specializing that more um how people can benefit from some some stuff so you could probably uh, definitely get a great gain some really brand, a big brand awareness for yourself as well yeah, yeah I love it. all right guys well, let me ask you guys this and then this could be personal or business Mav, why don't you lead off what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn Ooh. um put me on the spot there I, I guess it's like uh, something I've, I have actually tattooed on my arm. And it's a saying that's not immediately, but definitely. I think it's just more so having that patience to just keep on grinding, um, knowing that it will happen at the end of the day is like kind of like where I need to begin to just understand that I can't force things to happen now. I just need, need to be able to position myself to make it happen eventually. I love it. Hassan? Yeah, you know, I was actually going to say perseverance, which is exactly the same thing that Mav just said in in other words. Uh, and that is the lesson that I learned, I think, from all these four years. Now, seeing the revenue grow from the app is like if I there's so many times during those three years that I've re- recognized that people came up to me and said, you know, maybe it's time to switch over or maybe it's mm-hmm. time to cancel. Or, You're not seeing the revenue as as much as possible. But I'm like. You know, if I, if I look back at my early on days, I did not make any money from the app. And the fact that I'm making now money is like, it's because I stuck around with it. So if I give myself another year or so and continue to work on the app, I will definitely see more success. So perseverance is the biggest lesson that I've learned. And I think that could be applied in any other uh, form of like life, I guess. Totally. It goes, uh, it goes in finance, it goes in anything. So. Yeah, again, Hassan's going to get that not, tattooed on himself. I know, yeah. not def, not immediately, but definitely. Is that what it was? Yep, yeah. yep. not yes. immediately, but definitely. I love it, man. That's a great tattoo. The app is called Veemly. Go check it out. V-E-M-E, Veemly. Go check it out in the app store. And then I was going to say Veemly.com is the website as well. Mav, if the audience wants to connect with you in any other way, do you want to send them anywhere else? Ooh, um, meet me on LinkedIn. Well, let's chat. Like uh, I'm always open to conversation. So I, it, it, in layman's terms, my DMs are open. But uh, yeah, hit me up on is LinkedIn. In layman's terms, I, I, I guess. Or is that Jen? You're a young kid. Young kid yeah. term. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Hassan, what about you? Uh, I'm more of an Instagram guy, to be honest. Uh, so Hassan dot the legend is uh, is my Instagram tag. Yeah, Hassan dot the legend. Follow me on that. It's very easy to remember. H-A-S-S-A-N, Dr. The Legend. Um, so, I don't know. LinkedIn, there's a lot of Hassan on it, but you can definitely find only But Instagram is only one. 
I love that name, man. Hassan Dot the Legend. All right, I'm gonna link yeah. all that into the show notes. So if you just click on each of the each of the guy's name, you'll go to LinkedIn for Mav. You know, it's switched, right? Like, you know, <laughs> and then yeah. Hassan for Instagram. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.